So if you're both ready to go, we're going to open up the Zoom and officially welcome everyone in. Bonjour, bienvenue tout le monde. On behalf of Fourth Space, the new initiative, welcome to Black Community Health Check. We are streaming on YouTube live from Concordia University's Fourth Space, which is located on unceded indigenous lands in Jojage. At Force Space, we collaborate with our university community to bring people together around the research projects, initiatives, and dialogues and development across the university. So to that end, it's our pleasure to have collaborated with Annick Mejid-Flavien to host this week's series of events focused on Black community health in the home, the community, and healthcare facilities. We're excited to get the conversation going and to meet your guest, Annick. So over to you. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Um, before we get started, I just wanted to take a moment for National Truth and Reconciliation Day. Um, for anyone who is looking to get information about it, there's information on our Concordia website, as well as many other um, avenues online to learn more about um, this really important day in our history. Um, I am here with Ariane today. Uh, this whole week, we've been having conversations around um, black community health. And uh, part of this is for the work that I'm doing in my PhD, looking at um, black community health with a particular lens on caregiving and what um, an important role it plays in creating accessibility for our communities. Um, and I wanted to bring in experts from different fields um, and perspectives who do many different types of healthcare work and also different types of care work. And so today we have Ariane Kamitelus here with us. Ariane Kamitelus is a social entrepreneur, consultant, speaker, birth and perinatal worker. Uh, she is passionate about perinatal sexual and reproductive health, more um, specifically obstetrical and gynecological violence and racism in Quebec's healthcare system. She is the regional recruiter, recruitment coordinator for the province of Quebec and sits on the steering council committee of the RESPECT study. RESPECT standing for research examining stories of pregnancy and childbearing in Canada today at UBC's Birthplace Lab. And she's also on the board for the Breast Cancer Action Commi um, Committee and on the steering committee for L'Accord Fem Féministe. So welcome. Thank you for being here with us today, Ariane. Thank you for having me. Yes, for sure. That is a very impressive um, bio. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. I, but, you know, sometimes when we read these dense bios, we don't really get a sense of what that looks like on a day to day. So can you tell us a little bit more about your day to day work? What does that look like and how did you even end up on this path? So <laughs> my day to day work right now is more a full time mom of five. <laughs> That's a lot of um, <laughs> but but on on a professional level, uh, I do right now more consult, uh, more consultant work. Um, I do some birth work, but with the pandemic and well, I was pregnant during the pandemic and I gave birth during the pandemic. So my activities as a birth worker have slowed down uh, a lot. Um, so why did I come to work I have a background in music so it has nothing to do with everything I'm doing now but my experiences it's really my experiences my births and my births experiences that um, really pushed me to come and work in the perinatal world because I had too many questions and I didn't understand why I had so many questions that I couldn't find answers to, actually. And I could get some answers as I got pregnant. So with my second, when my third. And then I was like, why didn't I get to know all of this when I was pregnant with my first child? And as I was talking to, to other people, other pregnant uh, people around me, I realized that a lot of them a lot of us didn't have that kind of information and that kind of support. So I started out as a doula, so a bird worker. And then eventually I saw the need in black communities and I saw the disparities too. And I didn't understand how we didn't have documentation, data, data, sorry, 
uh, on our experiences as Black women, as Black people in the healthcare system, but more so concerning uh, the perinatal world. Um, and that's how I started getting involved in different organizations or different events. And that's how I started. Amazing. Thank you. So, you know, you said that there was there was these social disparities that kind of brought you to think about Black community health. Um, what is it? What does Black community health actually mean to you? Like, is it um, a way to, is it the social disparities? Is it um, a framework that you hope to see in the future? Like, what does, what does that term mean for you? Just on top of my head like that, for me, com Black community health is, first of all, support from our communities. Mm. So, because we hear a lot, so I'm going to say why. I, we hear a lot of needs for research, for data, um, we, consultations. We want to understand what's going on in the Black communities uh, regarding health. But I don't hear enough, and I think I'm part of that too, problem, but it's not, I mean, it's larger than just an individual, of course, but I don't hear enough concrete actions in our spaces and in our communities concerning Black health. Mm. So for me, when we talk about Black, when you say Black community health, for me is really, we need more support, but concrete support, more actions, uh, more services in our communities. I don't know if it answers no, your question. That but, answers my yeah. question perfectly. Thank you. And and you know, one of the things that one of the reasons I was so excited to bring you to the table today is um, because you've gotten you've. Uh, I think one of the things that's so amazing about birth work is that it happens in so many different spaces, right? Um, birthing can happen. I mean, it could happen even in a car, right? So there's so many different ways that it can happen. And so um, because of this, I imagine as a birth worker, you've you've had the opportunity to be with people in different spaces, whether that be in health institutions, in their homes, or, or so on, in, in the community, etc. Can you tell us a little bit about the ways in which, um, like the uniqueness of your work and, and the fact that you get to kind of um, move, you've had the chance to move with people in their, their, those different spaces and how has that experience been different, say in a health institution versus somebody's home or in community, um, like uh, what do they call them, birthing centers and so on? So I will say this and maybe it's, um... Peut-être que c'est un peu généralisé, mais c'est ma constatation and that's what I observe. What I see is from a safety um, and a sense of safety from the birding person. What I see is when we're at home, there's that sense of safety, of security, where I'm more at ease when I'm at home um because I have my mes repères. Sorry, I'm gonna be switching <laughs> French English. You're very welcome. Parce que j'ai mes repères à la maison, right? So and because let's say it, um the medical institutions are very violent towards our um our communities. So for me, what I see is once we set foot outside of the home, we have a lot more, um, comment tu dis ça, des inquiétudes, but la méfiance, voilà. That's the word that I was looking for, la méfiance. On a beaucoup plus de méfiance envers les institutions et qu'elles soient médicales, qu'elles soient sociales. Je pense, par exemple, à la DPJ. Je pense, as soon as you go in the system, for me, I, what I observe, and it's not for everybody. Some people feel very safe in the health system or institutions, but the large majority don't feel safe. For me we have that safety of the home. But also, um, I know that you were talking about my work. So 
what I see is when I'm at home with people I support, they're going to be at ease, but also en confiance. Et plus détendu. So the stress level decreases, right? Quand je sors de ces contextes-là, so I have to, the advocate in me has to be in the forefront more because I feel like I have to protect, right, the people I'm supporting. And that's where I find it, je trouve que c'est dommage parce que I think that our communities, we deserve safe spaces, we deserve dignity and respect, especially when we're birthing, but dans, tous les, dans toutes les sphères de la santé, bien sûr. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so what I see is an, an, an institution like, let's say, research context, or on voit de plus en plus for us, by us, in the research realm, But what I feel sometimes is that we're seen as subjects more than humans. I don't know if it makes sense. Yeah, no, for sure. And I don't have the answer to that, but how could it be, how could we make it so it serves the communities, you know, the research, researches that are going on? Now, a lot of them are going on now. How can they serve and how they, can they be practical on a practical level serving to our communities instead of just like, oh, let me observe, let me see. Oh, that's what's happening. And then we talk about it, but in the academy, plus que de créer des ponts entre les recherches, le monde, le milieu de la recherche et les communautés directement. Je sais qu'il y a de plus en plus de ça. Je sais qu'il y a de plus en plus de euh, recherche collaborative, donc en partenariat avec les communautés. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of work to be done towards much more um, collaboration between those spaces. I appreciate what you're saying. It's, it's echoing a lot of, um, so yesterday we had kind of a public, um, you know, we talked to the public uh, um, in these like short interviews and a lot of the things that the, the community was saying was that they would wish that the black community would feel safe in all spaces, right? And that they would be able to be valued in all spaces so that there's, um, you know, that, that they can bring their full selves and then they don't, they require less of this advocacy that you're talking about, right? Um, and obviously that's, this is like the, the long-term wish and something that we, we all like hope for, for sure. Um, but we know that we're coming from generations and generations of systemic racism um, and that it's not kind of like a magic wand that we get rid of that. Um, and this is why I find that the role that you play um, as a birth worker and a community advocate to be such an important Um, role in terms of what does that mean? Like, how do we find a way to extend this, the um, that feeling of, of trust that you were talking about in terms of the home um, as much as possible, right? Like, if we were to open up the radius of that in terms of where um, Black community members can feel safe, and I find that caregivers in all different types of contexts of what that caregiver can be, right? Whether it's a birth worker, partner, et cetera, et cetera, are able to extend that radius um, by being advocates for, um, for our community members. And so can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what you, you said that as soon as you leave these spaces, right? Like you leave the home, now you're in the community or you're in the health institutions, and that turns on this advocacy aspect of, the, of your work. And so what are some of the... Um, Like, what enables you to be an advocate? Like, uh, you know, you talked a bit about, it, about education and through, throughout from pregnancy to pregnancy that you got. But what is it also that you do in these spaces that's maybe different than you would do in a home in order to really be able to um, best serve the communities that you're working with? So I have to... Je dois être beaucoup plus vigilante when we set foot outside of the home. So I have to be mindful of what's being done, what's being said. Um, And sometimes it doesn't happen often because 
that's the thing too. When we're birthing, right, we have to be calm. We have to to keep that that bubble right intact so that the birthing person can birth in peace with dignity. So sometimes you have to speak up, but you have to know when to speak up because is me speaking up gonna be more harmful Mm. to the birthing person? Is it gonna solve something right away or not? Is it something I can solve after that can be solved after? I'm gonna give you an example. Let's say a birthing person wants to doesn't want to have an episiotomy, so cut the vaginal, the canal, but le périnée, en fait. And they've said, I really don't want that intervention. Please don't do it. And then you have this doctor who's like, it's best if we do it. Research so I've heard that. Research shows that it's better if we do it. And I'm here and I'm like, research doesn't show that it's best if you do it. So what am I to do as a birth worker, as an advocate? Am I going to say something right now? Yes, because I mean, c'est irreversible, right? Mm-hmm. But for something like the tone or the way they're speaking, yes, I could say something, but I don't want to stress the person So I'm going to keep it to myself and then after maybe say something, right? So I always have to be mindful of what's best for the person I'm supporting. I have to watch what is being said, what is going to be written in the the file. Is it really what's happening? Are they consenting to everything they're imposing or proposing? So I have to be there for the person, but also be very, very, very mindful and très, très vigilant à ce qui se passe à l'extérieur de sa bulle quand cette personne est en train de, de, d'enfanter. Mm-hmm. So it's... What's the uniqueness? I would say that it's just we have to be... C'est comme des gardiens. So... In English... <laughs> keepers, I, keepers, yeah, we're, right? We're the keepers, for sure. The keepers of the space. Well, you know what's interesting from from some of the things that you're saying. I, I feel like um, so. Right now, I've seen that in uh, birthing communities, and um, there's been a, a rise of doula trainings and education that's out there, and et cetera, et cetera, and. Um, a lot of the focus of, let's say, the more mainstream ones is kind of this anatomy, um, like focus or just like, you know, what do you do as a doula? And a lot of what I'm hearing from you is actually um, community advocacy that is seems to be pretty specific. Well, not necessarily only specific to black communities, but that there is a certain sensitivity that comes from um, being a black birth worker, um, from your own experiences that you're kind of pulling from, from I'm, I'm assuming as well, the, the experiences that you've seen with um, the, the, the birthers that you've, you've worked with. And, um, and so where do people learn that? Do you find that we at least in Montreal or maybe nationally, are, are building a nice community of birth workers who have a sensitivity um, for Black um, experiences, who understand that, are creating trainings where that, that will, will be at the forefront as well of the, of the work and not just the kind of um, the technique base of what uh, birth work can look like. So... I would say, unfortunately, here in Quebec, in Montreal, we don't have enough training um, that take into account cultural competency or cultural safety sensitivity. Of course, they're going to talk about it a bit, but we're their lens of like white and the majority. Um, there is more and more opening, um, but it's still here in Quebec, in Montreal, what's missing is really um, a training for us by us. Mm. 
or by us, not necessarily just for us, but by us, definitely. Um, for me, and I'm really sad to say this because I've been um, working in um, with organization in the, on appelle ici le mouvement d'humanisation des naissances au Québec. I've been working with them for almost 10 years. I've been trained as a doula about 10 years ago. And there, these are very wide spaces. And we lack this movement. We lack, we need that same movement in our communities. Mm -hmm. So yes, you're going to have like different black doulas working. Um, you have different initiatives, but not enough. We don't have those institutions in our communities, these organizations in our communities that would help us create those trainings that are appropriate and much more um, qui prennent beaucoup plus en considération nos réalités et nos besoins. Mm -hmm. So yes, you have to go, let's say, towards the United States. And what the pandemic did, one positive thing that the pandemic did was to, to enable us to, to participate in different trainings um, that are given in the United States or international at uh, l'international, right? Um, sinon, like, it's not accessible. You have to travel, you have to pay, you know, it's really not accessible. And the other thing too, when I'm talking about accessibility, I'm, I'm talking about uh, financially. Mm -hmm. um, these trainings are very expensive um, because it's private, it's not public, right? So the, the, we need, and because there are so many disparities in our communities and at different levels, we need to take that into account too how to make those training accessible for our communities. And when I say our communities, not just the black communities, indigenous um, racialized communities, marginalized communities. So we need to make these trainings available and accessible to us, to them. Also, they need to be more, um, mere, uh, sorry, doivent être mieux adaptés, voilà, à nos réalités. And um, it really saddens me to say, but it's not the case here in Quebec. Mm. Um, some organizations are trying and are putting some effort toward being more uh, culturally secure or safe, but it's not it. Yeah. Like, it's not it. And I'm at a point right now where I call them out because... Ils sont carrément dangereux pour nos communautés. Oui. Not only they're not safe, they are dangerous. Yeah. Uh, some of them are, are like, I understand the need for money and for financing, but some of them, some of them are taking money from, how could I say that? C'est un cercle vicieux. Dans la surveillance de nos communautés, mm -hmm. um, dans la criminalisation de nos communautés. So, they're gonna, je vais te donner un exemple très concret. Il y a un organisme qui a accepté un, une, une subvention, puis l'affichage de poste, c'était accompagnante périnatale à la prévention de, de la négligence. OK. Mais. So then you're like, prévention de la négligence. So how can you, comment tu peux, comment tu peux voir qu'il y aurait peut-être la négligence dans une certaine famille? Comment on prévient cette négligence? Yeah. Ce que je déplore is that non seulement c'est très violent comme titre, ils l'ont changé éventuellement, mais aussi c'est qu'il y avait un autre affichage de poste pour le même organisme qui et c'était accompagnement périnatal aux familles, par exemple. Mm. And in that one, you didn't have to, you didn't have to have knowledge uh, concerning black communities, indigenous communities, marginalized communities. But in the other one, it was specifically 
written that you have to, to have, have knowledge concerning those communities. And nobody in that space felt the need to say, mm, something's not right about those. Yeah, the parallel that's being made right there. Exactement. So for me, it's very dangerous. So parce because we don't have those spaces in our communities, a lot of other uh, organ organizations are going to refer newcomers, uh, refugees, mm -hmm. people in our communities. They are referring people to these spaces yeah. that are actually dangerous for us, that are not safe. Mm -hmm. And of course you have the, yes, but that's not our intentions. And, you know, but they don't see the bigger picture. And that's where I think we like education and we like knowledge as, a, as to, it's not just about the birth work. Mm -hmm. It's also about the impacts of all those lack of safety, lack of consideration and the impact on the families and on the next generations. So they, for them, it's just like, okay, how can we make it so that we have the money to give and offer services for now, but they don't see the long-term effects yeah. of these. I don't know if it made sense. No, that's very clear. I, um, I think one of the things that comes up for me when I hear what you're saying is, um, How do we get to a point where supporting us is not um, charity work, first of all, <laughs> right? Um, and that it's not seen as something that there is innately a problem within the community, but rather like a zoom out of like, well, what are the social contexts that are creating this situation? How do we address those in order for communities who would otherwise be thriving continue to thrive the way that they should be um, and taking away these stressors. Um, it makes me wonder from your perspective as um, a community advocate, birth worker, if there were some, was something that you would want your peers to know, um, that you would want other health professionals to know a black, about black communities as they try to, you know, there's been a, a bit of a racial like, awakening, let's say in the last um, few years. Um, <laughs> so as they enter these spaces, right, because now more and more people are like, like you say, trying to um, do research and, and so on. And so what would be some of the things that you would like these health professionals or community advocates, birth workers, and so on and so on to think about when they enter black communities or know about black communities, plural? I think people need to know, first of all, that we do have the answers. If you listen to us, <laughs> if you listen to us, if you consult us, we do have the answers and we know what we need. Mm. We have a lot of knowledge. We have a lot of ancestral knowledge. And this knowledge is rich. Uh, Peu importe nos backgrounds, peu importe nos origines, I mean, we have the answers. Mm -hmm. And people need to let us decide what's good for us. So that's the first thing I would say, listen to us and see us as your equal, not as, oh, we need to help you. Oh, we need to, you know, that. that's, Unfortunately, often that's what I see. Let me do it for you because you don't know what's good for you. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you what to do. So a lot of spaces too, what they're going to do is, here's how it works here. Mm -hmm. But I mean, they're saying that to a woman, let's say that that just came here, yes, but who already has like two kids. She gave birth right? She knows how her body works. She knows what she needs to be doing. She knows what she needs to be eating in order to feed her, her baby, to feed herself. So it's like we, we forget. Once people come here, they forget that they're human and that they had a life before coming here, right? Yeah. So I think that's what I would say. 
listen to us. Mm-hmm. And then in the reverse, if you were thinking about Black communities, again, plural, what would you want um, our communities to know about health professionals, health institutions, or community advocates, and, and these people that are, you know, um, ideally at our service as well, right? Like, what would you want our communities to know about them? I don't know if I would say what I want them to know about them. Um, parce que it's, pour moi, ça sonne un peu... Je veux pas généraliser, right? But I will say this. There's a history of violence and of racism in those institutions. So even if somebody is well, means well, and is nice, we cannot forget that they work within a system that wasn't built for us. So you need to know your rights. You need to be open-minded. But unfortunately, you always have to be very um, vigilant as to what kind of care you're, you're being offered. The consent, are they, are they asking for your consent? So I would say this. I wouldn't say what I want our communities to know about them, but more what can you do when you enter those spaces mm. and when you're in front of, of people within the medical or the institutions here. I would say know your rights, get educated on whatever, like if it's you're going to birth, if, if it's because you're sick, whatever, know your rights and make sure you're always with someone too, if possible. And if you can try to find somebody or people who would have some knowledge to support you in your journey. In your health journey. This, uh, this keeps on coming back up in these interviews, this idea of, of um, I guess, community education, one, that we know as much as possible. Um, the, this idea that we need support when we go into these spaces. Um, I find it really interesting that that's the, the kind of reoccurring advice that's coming up. Um, and, it's, and I think it speaks volumes to the type of interactions that we might have in, in health institutions. Um, and in community and so on and so forth, that, that, that we um, consistently need a bit of a buddy system. Um, and then I also think that it kind of reflects um, back to us a sense of what, what is also lacking in our community, right? So the fact that we're not educated, right, because we may have been born here, may have been born elsewhere, et cetera, but we're not educated about the history of the system here, and how that will impact our interactions, right? So one of the things that I've encountered a lot in, um, in my work and also prior to my work is that often, particularly with the younger generations, um, like younger people, not the younger generations, but younger people, they tend to think that it's a them problem. Like something, you know, they went into some sort of interaction, the interaction went bad, and they come back thinking, what did I do wrong versus understanding that there's a whole system at play here, that it isn't actually just that one-on-one -on -one situation, though you are the one that's going to carry it and take that home, right? And that impacts you. Um, and how much that education can really alleviate the, the stressors that one individual um, can experience. What are some of the initiatives or communities that you stay in contact with in order to kind of uh, promote that community of education? Like when you're looking to get educated, like for example, you were saying that from birth to birth, you got more educated. Where, what are some of the sources that you look to um, to get that? So they're not here. <laughs> they're not here. Um, Concretely, you want names and places it's anywhere. It doesn't really matter. Like it, you know, like I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to understand. Is it something that is like, is it by getting online? Is it by getting trainings? Is it social media? Like, where can somebody who, let's say, it's the first time that they're thinking about their own health um, as like a black being in the world, and they want to start to, like, 
knowing their rights, right? Like, where would they start that journey? So, yeah, online, definitely. There's a lot of researches, uh, resources, sorry, online, a lot of them. Um, there's also, um, how, how do you say that? You know, I, I want to refer to certain organizations, but within those organizations, there is so much violence. Mm. Um, et c'est très insidieux. Hein? C'est tellement pas direct. And you would think that those organizations are sensitive because they work uh, pour la défense de droit, par exemple. Yeah. So right now, I'm really sorry that I'm not quite answering your question parce que j'en suis à un point où I'm really afraid to refer people to certain organizations that exist here, right? So what I'm trying to do also is work in collaboration with existing, let's say, um, existing organizations to maybe... Um, bring them some some knowledge mm. um, concerning the rights, uh, everything we've talked about. So yeah, I'm not answering your questions because I'm still your question because I'm still thinking about it. She a moment, ce moment de réflexion where I'm like, je réfère les gens beaucoup online aux États-Unis because here I feel like. Something needs to move. Something needs to change before I can, en toute confiance et en toute tranquillité d'esprit, référer les gens à certains espaces. Um, I think that you're answering another question that I have in in your your response, though, and something that I think is so important to talk about. Of um, sometimes when we do this type of work, or um, or any type of kind, anything, I think I think often. When we look at anything from a Black perspective, there's often this tension um, where people are like, well, why don't you just participate in what already exists? Why does it have to be Black-specific? Why this? Why, why that? And that tension keeps on coming up of like, well, there's, there's already services for that, and they're for everyone, so what's the big deal, and et cetera. And I think that what you're saying here really sheds light on this idea that um, if we can't even enter those spaces, we can't even safely refer people to those spaces, then it, it's as if it doesn't exist, really. That just means that, you know, there might be 10 organizations, but for us, there's actually zero. Um, and, and I love that you're highlighting this aspect, right? And, and, that the, and we're kind of dealing with that live of like, well, what does it mean to like, responsibly send our community into spaces that we know have... Um, very complex, often very violent histories. Um, and then also that we know that the, they will not necessarily um, be held in ways that are uh, beneficial for them on a long-term level, right? So even if there is a resource, technically there isn't a resource at all. Um, and so some of the, one of the ways that you're addressing this is by working with some of these organizations. Is there... Um, other kind of pathways that you're hoping to see in the next decade, let's say, for these organizations to kind of shift that and, and how, um, you know, if we were to look at the states or maybe even other provinces in Canada, how have you seen that shift happen? There's, for, okay, so in the states, of course, it, on peut pas comparer, because in the states, they're very organized and they've been <laughs> organized for a long time. Um, the rest of Canada will say Ontario, they, they are organized much more than here in Quebec. So I will talk for Quebec and for, for us here. What I would want to see is more spaces for us, <coughs> more spaces by us. Okay, I will say this, more spaces by us. Um. So you were saying if we cannot enter those spaces, we can. Uh, we've tried. It's and it's just not working. Mm. Okay, so it's not working because 
oui, il y a l'ouverture. Euh, mais il y, y a beaucoup de tension. A lot of tension. Because, of course, when you go in and you say your space is not safe, people tend to be en réaction et sur la défensive, right? Oui. So then it, it creates a lot of other problems. Moi, ce que je dis, c'est we do not have time. Our communities, il mm. y a l'urgence. Mm. OK? Moi, je ne peux pas dire à la personne que j'accompagne en ce moment, par exemple, I cannot tell her, well, things are changing. <laughs> je ne peux, je peux pas lui dire ça. À la personne, par exemple, qui est à l'hôpital, qui est en train de se faire violenter, je ne peux pas lui dire, oh, ben, on va attendre que la plainte soit déposée and then things are going to change. Ce n'est pas possible. Je dis, we need... So, there's a sense of urgency that makes it so we don't have time for these spaces to change. I'm very happy for them. I'm happy that they're opening their minds and opening their spaces and getting educated. But the person that is here and now doesn't have time for them to get to where I would want them to be in 10 years, mm -hmm. right? So for me, there's a sense of urgency. What I want for them is to listen to us, mm -hmm. right? Et puis ça va plus haut que ça, en fait. C'est que we need new spaces. Yeah. I am tired of trying to change or make my voice or voices be heard in those spaces. For me, that's not working anymore. Yes, we can work in collaboration, but that's not what we need now. Now what we need is new spaces by us. I, and I'm saying this, I'm listening to me saying it. I never thought I would be saying this one day. But yes, we do need those spaces by us. And the thing is, quand je dis ça va plus haut que ça, c'est au niveau du financement. Mm -hmm. Parce que ça nous incombe toujours à, en tant que communauté. Et si ce sont des nouveaux projets, par exemple, de trouver du financement, de prouver qu'on a besoin de ce financement, comment on prouve qu'on en a besoin et que c'est un besoin, you need that data, right? Yeah. You need proof that you need those things. So ça va beaucoup plus haut. Ça va au niveau du financement, vraiment. It, it all comes back to money. At the end of the day, we need resources. We need human resources, but we need financial resources. Mm -hmm. Parce que ce sont toujours les mêmes qui sont um, financés. Because they have... Um, ils ont de l'ancienneté, parce qu'ils sont là depuis longtemps, parce qu'ils font beaucoup d'activités. And one thing I find hard also is that I'm a black woman, right? So... As a black woman, I'm fighting for other black birding people. Mm -hmm. I'm fighting for, but all the while going through those things too. Yeah. So as community, uh, as a community member, I find it very hard to navigate sometimes. Mm -hmm. Where does my advocacy, my work finishes and where is it me? Et c'est toujours les mêmes choses qui reviennent. So we get exhausted parce qu'on fait le travail. We do the work because the work needs to be done. But more often than not, that work is being done, c'est du travail bénévole. Yeah. Right? Mais des organismes, puis je vais le dire comme ça, des organismes blancs qui sont... Um, qui veulent, par exemple, travailler sur des sujets qui nous concernent en tant que communauté noire et racisée et marginalisée, eux vont recevoir du financement pour travailler sur des sujets qui nous concernent mm -hmm. ou pour offrir des services qui nous, um, qui, qui nous, uh, qui nous servent. Which, for me, makes no sense. Yeah, sure. You know? Why not finance the communities. Et oui, de plus en plus, il y a du financement pour certains projets. Yes. Mais pas assez. Mm -hmm. 
kind of state and people are waiting for data. People are waiting for, we don't need to wait for these things. Yeah. Il y a une urgence. I'm sorry. Je commence no, I, à I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also hearing in what you're saying that there's, there's space for, um, like, support us in supporting us, right? In, in the sense of, like, like, how can these organizations who do have the seniority, the, the um, connections, the, you know, uh, grant writing skills and so on and so forth um, to pull in all this money, really start thinking about what meaningful partnerships would be with community and other community organizations and being like, okay, well, you know what, if the government's going to give it to us, well, how do we funnel that to the community as well, right? Because we know that there's certain systems that take a really long time to change. And if granting bodies are not going to get to a point where they're giving the money directly to these newer community organizations and so on and so forth, then how can we um, see community organizations change their um, narrative a bit and, and start thinking about what meaningful partnerships would look like in the community. Um, I'm also hearing, you know, this need to really think about um, how the scaling change, right? I, I, I love how you talked about urgency and, and how, you know, there's certain things that, yes, we can wait for 10 years for this thing to happen and, and that we know that that's kind of the, the never-ending work that will happen. But then there's certain things that need to change yesterday. And so how do we have these different skills? Um, how do we create community awareness, the education, um, the support, and so on and so forth in, in order to be able to, to address this, these different skills? Uh, I really appreciate you bringing that to the forefront. And then lastly, I, I, I want to echo back this aspect of what you're saying in terms of how often caregivers in our community are um, lacking care themselves, right? And so they're not, there's this kind of vicious cycle of, um, you know, if we're, we're creating burnout within our community, who's actually able to pass down the torch um, from person to person because there isn't necessarily that type of system. Uh, for yourself, as someone who's a birth worker, a community advocate, a mother of five, um, and I'm sure the list goes on and on and on. When you think about caregiving in the Black community, and you, you obviously do so much of that, are there avenues in which you're able to tap into care for yourself um, that you can kind of reach out for, for care and support? Um, and do you find that as a caregiver, there are systems of care for you in either inside of the community or other communities that you engage with? I think that it's something that's missing. As I missing, I think it's on a more official level. Like, and it's funny because all our conversation brings me to, you know, some projects I want to be working on and that I have in mind that I've wrote, but you know, you need time, you need money and you're, but it's really that, like, how can we create spaces for us as caregivers? Um, how can we support one another? And I think the façon individuelle, you know, everybody, no, I won't say that because it's not true, but some <laughs> of, oh yeah, rewind. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to take it back. Um, some of us have uh, the privilege to have our village, right? Mm -hmm. But I also think that our villages also get tired, mm. right? Um, alors pour moi, c'est vraiment, ça rejoint tellement d'aspects et de niveaux de nos vies. For me, it's, it's just really time for us to create those spaces. Yeah. Mais des, 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 really officially create those spaces, you know, comme par exemple, at university, you're going to have spaces where people can go and get resources and get some support. Um, dans certains organismes aussi, tu vas avoir ce genre de support. But 
where can I go aside from my friends or my family? Where can I go on a day-to-day? Find that support. I don't have that answer. Yeah. You know? I think it's one of the tactics as well, right? You know, you use the word village, and I think that that's so key because village is a very... um, you know, I'm, I, I speak Spanish as well. In Pueblo, you know, in, in, in Spanish is like the, act, the physical space, but also the, the kind of the relationships and, and the people, right? And so, um, like, I love the aspect of, of village that is very concretely in the physical world in the sense that um, we know that historically part of the way to break down cultural um, relationship and, and resources and so forth is to actually separate people and where they live, right? So where so the village is no longer be as strong because it doesn't have the physical space. It doesn't have this kind of common um, place to come back to um, where everybody kind of moves through the same space. So, you know, when I hear you talk about the village of families and friends, I know one of the things that happens often in Montreal is that, you know, even though we are a relatively small city in comparison to other big cities in the world, you know, you may have a friend that lives 20 kilometers away or and so on and so forth. And so what what does village support look like when you're not in the same neighborhood, when you're not um, able to see each other every day and how how much can we support um, each other through online or phone or so on and so forth. Um, sometimes you need somebody to bring you bread t- in five minutes, right? And that's not, not necessarily gonna happen through a, um, a Zoom call, let's say. So I really appreciate this idea of thinking through, you know, what, what does space mean for us and how key that is in this conversation about black community health. Um, can I add something? Yes, please. Definitely. Very quickly. There's also, I, I um, Isolation, right? When we talk about we're being isolated, there's also the stigma, the shame that comes with us not be being able to provide anymore. And when I say provide, it's financially, uh, mentally, spiritually. It's there's a lot of stigma that comes with with that. So yes, you want your village, but at the same time, we need to to break that stigma, to break those taboo. It's okay not to be okay. Mm. You cannot always be okay. And yeah, for some people, they're not okay for years, but can we understand that it comes from way back and that we have been... Um, supporting and we have been advocating and we have been working for so many years at one point we break so parce qu'il y a aussi beaucoup ces stigmas là dans nos communautés where it's like mid femme sous en créole on dit mid femme sous you know put your girl panties on and just like keep moving right and it's it's just keep going keep moving yeah it's sad yes you were hurt yes this yes that but you need to move forward mm-hmm. and that for me we need to break that that cycle of being strong black women being strong for ourselves, strong for our families, strong for our communities. So I think, yes, we have um, to have these spaces, but we also need to acknowledge that sometimes these spaces do not acknowledge fully like our needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, my two cents. We're getting close to the end of our time together. So I want to kind of leave us with a a question that allows you to kind of think back on our conversation. And and if you were to prioritize, let's say, the top three changes that you'd like to see in Black community health, where where is your heart and soul right now? Like, what, what are the things that you are finding most urgent for our near future? Concrete actions. <laughs> I was writing for that one. <laughs> yeah, <it's been> waiting. <laughs> um, 
concrete actions for me now because for a couple of months now it's like nope something needs to be done concrete actions we need to put things in place now for me it's where to get the funding where to get the money to get things going to have and i'm going to be very honest I'm saying this also because I do have a project that I want to be working on, but I promised myself that I would not be working on that project if I didn't have the funds mm. to work on it because I have a family to feed. Not only that, if I want to have people embark in that project, I will not ask them to do it voluntarily. I know some, some will, but no, we need we we need to ask for what we need and we need to get what we ask for mm -hmm. for us to be able to do the work and to continue doing the work because we've been doing the work so for me it's really a question of we need to get organized around birth work around health for sure mm -hmm. i don't think that the organization is the problem I think the financing is the problem because once you get organized, c'est pour ça aussi que les projets meurent. Because I've seen some projects, beautiful projects, but eventually they die because it's not sustainable for anybody. Yeah. So for me right now, it's really about concrete. What can we do now for our communities? Who can we support? Where can we support? And you, you were talking about, like, at the beginning, you were saying, what does community uh, health, Black community health means to me? For me, that's what it means. Mm. It means support one another for the community to come together, mm. for the communities to come together, really, yeah. in support of. Well, does you know... That First of all, I support it 100%. And I want you to get this financing because I, I can only imagine what's going on in your head right now. So tell us, where can people contact you? Where is, you know, this big funder, when they, when they check out this interview, where are they going to email you so that they can send you all the money to make this happen? Um, where, what are your socials? Tell us how to stay in touch with you. So I'm on, so I'm really not good with social media, but I try. So I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. So on Instagram, I think my handle is, I think, ariancat.perinatal. Ariancat.perinatal, right? Yeah. On Instagram, um, on Facebook is ariancatmetelus. Um, also my email, very simply, my email, ariancamethelus at gmail.com. So A-R-I-A-N-E-K-M-E-T-E-L-L-U-S at gmail.com. Amazing. Is there anything that you have coming up soon that you would like us to, to kind of talk about? Um... I have things coming up, but honestly, like... <laughs> check it out. It's too early in the morning to be talking about that. yeah really i'm like oh, my agenda but i've been yeah i've been asked to talk uh, in uh, some spaces but follow me on social media and i'll try to put things up i haven't been up to date with my social media i i will Thank you so much, Ariane, for being with here with us. It's been really, really um, beautiful to hear your perspective. And I really appreciate the urgency that you're bringing to this work and this idea that, you know, like there, there's so much within our community and that if we have the financing, we have the concrete support, the long sustainable support, we are able to do it, right? We don't need somebody to come and do a Band-Aid situation for us. So I really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the work you're all doing. Very important. Thank you. Well, on behalf of all of us behind the scenes here at Force Space Ariane, we really appreciate you um, coming online for this very important, very powerful conversation, I might add. And uh, maybe I'll also just add that as the teeniest, tiniest concrete action that we will take here is to ensure that we spread the word far and wide to make sure that this uh, conversation gets out there across all the media and people can listen to it. There was a lot of interested people who registered. We're going to make sure that they're going to, we're going to get this convo to them. So thank you for your time. Once again, we appreciate you. Thank you, Anique, once again, for bringing in such an amazing guest and for keeping the conversation open and going with all of us in the space here today. 
All right, folks, we're going to close up the Zoom and the live stream. We appreciate your time. We look forward to seeing you this afternoon, hopefully, at 1.30, when Anique will be in conversation with uh, Marianne Lopez. Stay tuned for that. Thanks very much. Ciao. If you have an idea for a podcast, please let us know. You can contact us by email at info.4.concordia.ca or find us on social media at CU Fourth Space. We'd love to hear from you. The Fourth Space podcast is hosted by me, Douglas Moffat, and produced with Anna Vaklavec. Editing by Chanel Lees Marshall and Maximus Delmar. And our theme music, courtesy of Supercarmen. Thanks for listening.